Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, everyone. Welcome, modern lovers. We are so delighted to be with you again. And tonight we're going to talk about something that we all experience in our personal lives as an individual and in our relationships, and that's just feeling bad. Life can be so full of challenges. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, yeah, 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 the challenge is here to help me grow. And other times it's like, you know what? I am ready for life to cut me a break. So tonight we're going to talk about how you can get unstuck. And our guest tonight, Len Newman, is going to tell us the good news about feeling bad. Um, Yes, I did say good news about feeling bad. So our guest is a creativity expert with a master's in counseling psych. She's a success expert, and she's emerged as one of the defining voices in the art of exceeding your potential and manifesting your dreams. How about that? And in order to get unstuck, she believes everything we do is creative. So welcome to the guest an ongoing contributor to Tiny Buddha, Positively Positive, Wake Up World, Personal Growth, a multitude of other online publications, Len Newman. Hello, Len. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. My God, I love your list of publications. Anything called Tiny Buddha and Positively Positive and Wake Up World, that's for us. So, Len, tell us how you got interested in finding good news in feeling bad. Right. Well, listen, I have suffered with depression and anxiety like many, many of us and, you know, did a many, many years, over 20 years of interpersonal work trying to get to a place of feeling like I was okay in life. And, and, and something changed in me that I, it was just sort of mind-blowing to me, and, and that was is that there wasn't any problem with me. And that being human truly is enough. Hmm. I, I spent so much time trying to fix myself and better myself that all that effort to try to change and try to be different ended up making it worse. And my suffering increased. Oh, that's interesting. So are you saying that people who are depressed and anxious shouldn't be working on themselves? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is is that the effort to strive to have to be better ends up putting pressure on ourselves, and it makes it harder. Okay, well, I'm going to come down with both feet right there. All of you who are listening, who are depressed and anxious, Lynn just said, don't stop working on yourself. What she said is, 
take off some of the pressure about trying to be perfect. Now, did I get that right, Lynn? Because you, I don't want any depressed or anxious people out there suddenly throwing everything out the window and going, oh, I'm fine, because <laughs> how we wish, how we wish it were that simple. But, Lynn, is it possible that your anxiety and depression and the work you did led you to a place that you could let go and feel better about yourself? It did. It absolutely did, because it, it – it, it, in a way, it was sort of like in allowing myself to be broken, I became whole. So it took permission in order to allow myself to be with all of the good, the bad, and the ugly within me without judging it. Okay, so with, one of the secrets for you is to stop judging yourself. Now, I know that you're probably the only person on the planet, Len, who's ever had a voice in your head judging you, right? <laughs> the only one. <laughs> God. Okay, so what? talk to us about that voice because we all have it. That's We've right. all heard the voice tell us we were personally, it was stupid and ugly. That was mine. You know, my mother, bless her heart, used to say that. And being a little kid, you know, you believe what your parents say. What's your take on where that voice comes from and what that does to us? Well, the judge is somebody that sits on our shoulder and whispers into our ear all of the time. And the truth is we never get rid of the judge. It's always going to be there. And there's two things that we can do with it. We can either pretend that it's not there, but it's not going away. Or we can actually let ourselves say, oh, I see you. And then return back to whatever it is that we're doing and not giving it any of our power. So we identify the judge, and then we can ask ourselves a question. And I, I, this question is pretty simple, but you've got to feel it very deeply. Is, is what if it didn't matter if I felt blank or not? And you filled in that blank with that judgment. So, for example, what if it didn't matter if I was um, stupid or pretty or not? What if it really didn't matter? Interesting. What if it didn't matter what the judge is saying or whether I was that or not? Right. Now, how does that help? What does that do if you can face the judge and then say, essentially, you know, it doesn't matter? Yeah, so what? Who cares? Big deal. Why not? You know, it's a great mantra to just keep in your pocket. So what? Who cares? Big deal. Why not? <laughs> You know, because Great. then what happens is we take the pressure off of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when, okay. we, when, we, when we have this pressure to be happy, the pressure to have to be happy actually makes us less happy, makes us unhappier. Okay. So what, what if I didn't have to have it all figured out? What if there was nothing I had to do, change, or fix? Right, so what you're really saying is, when we stop judging ourselves and saying there's something wrong with us if we don't feel happy, perfect, skinny, rich, or whatever, right? when we stop judging that, now what does that do? Okay, now everybody take notes, take notes. Lynn, once yes. we get to the point that we're not judging and we're saying it doesn't matter, What's the next step? Because how do we get from, okay, it doesn't matter, to actually beginning to feel better about ourselves? 
Yeah, and the thing is, is it's not just a question that we ask. It's a question, it's not just like, you know, it's easy to throw that out into the air. What if it doesn't matter? Oh, it doesn't matter, but the judge is still there talking to us. We have to really get it in our body. We have to really feel it so that we allow ourselves to be human. We allow ourselves to be enough, human enough, and know that there really isn't a problem with us. Okay, so the real problem here is that we're human and we don't let ourselves just be human. Yeah. Because we don't believe that nobody's perfect and that that's okay. Yeah. I mean, what if you could just be you? Just be you. I mean, and we all got it. See, that's the funny thing is, as you said, none of us are special. We all have that freaking voice. None okay, of us we are going to get away. We have a lot of feelings, and that's one of the problems is that we've got all these feelings and you say those feelings come from old memories. Yes. Um, basically, all, any and all problems that we think we, that we have are based on old memories. And it's something that we've, like you mentioned about your own childhood, that we, you know, we've bought into a story about who we are from our childhood that now we believe. And nine times out of ten, it's either a not-enoughness that wants to be enough, an unlovability that wants to be loved, a wrong that needs to be righted, or a lie that we're broken. Hmm. Now, what do you mean when you say an unlovability and you say a right that needs to be wronged? Give examples well, of what that means. Well, okay, so, so I mean, if the lie that we buy into that we're unlovable, unlovable then what we're doing is that what, what we need is to feel love. You know, if, if we've bought into a lie that we're not enough, we are striving and effort and efforting to constantly trying to be enough. You know, if if we feel like we're wrong, that that we've done something wrong or we've been shamed as wrong, we're trying to need to be right all the time. The pendulum swings and we overcompensate for for the lies that we bought as bought as children. And so as adults, we're overcompensating, we're trying to prove, we're trying to strive, we're trying to get, we're trying to have in order to make up for that story that we picked up in childhood. Yeah, that was I, totally can, I can totally say, having heard my mom call me stupid and things like that, I did end up simultaneously preparing for medical school and getting a doctorate at the same time so I could get an MD, PhD to prove I was smart. Of course. Of course, and that's what you ended do. ended up practically making myself crazy. Yeah. Right, exactly. And that's why these questions are very important because, because that's the pressure, right? You could have still gone to medical school and, you know, become a really successful, you know, doctor, but at the same time, you, you, might, you might have been able to do it easier and with more grace without that pressure. You may not do pressure. both simultaneously? Gee, that <laughs> never occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. So we've all done something to ourselves. Everybody think about it. We've all done something to ourselves to try to compensate for what we thought was wrong. Maybe it was who you chose to be in relationship with. Maybe it's how you are in relationship. Whatever we feel about ourselves shows up in our love lives. That's for sure. Yeah. So, Lynn, what is the game of do, of you and the game of insight? What's that the, all about? The game of you is a book and card deck set that I created. Uh, it's an interactive way to know yourself and create the life you want. And it's um, it's a handy guide and a helpful toolbox to get guidance on your life, with your life, your relationships, and on your day-to-day. 
and you can take five minutes or longer when you're having your coffee in the morning or before you go to bed, and the game gives you instant so feedback. So what are some of the things that specifically, if somebody was dealing with an issue, what are some of the specific issues? Take one and how any, the game would address it. And that it's amazing. It, it addresses any issue that could come up in your life, your relationships, or in your day-to-day. Okay, choose a relationship issue, and let's zero in on how the game would work for one. Okay, well, I mean, if you're saying, you know, it, the, the premise in the book is that it uses relationships as mirrors in mm. order to teach you about who you are. So whatever issue has arisen in a relationship, that person is there to show you what has yet to be healed in yourself. And so you mean it's not all the other other the other person's fault, everybody? Hello? <laughs> That's you the know, one I hear most often when I'm teaching seminars or, or doing workshops and, you know, working with couples. I always hear it's the other person. I had a woman say to me this week, well, do you believe anybody can get along with anybody? Because mm-hmm. I can't get along with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So well, what would the game say to her? about that well she would she would there's 78 cards and it offers 78 practical tools so depending on whatever card she chose she would get direct feedback into what her opportunity in that present moment would be to learn about herself from that relationship because because you know it's like what they say in the rearview mirror window things in the mirror are closer than they appear and and so we we create relationships in our lives in order to see what we have opportunity to heal from our childhood to move to deeper levels of intimacy with ourselves first because intimacy means into me I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Into me I see is intimacy. So we look at ourselves first, and then when we can heal whatever place inside of ourselves that feels not enough, unlovable, or wronged, we can heal that within ourselves, and then our outside reflections change. So people... suppose this woman is looking at the deck of cards, and her belief is she can't get along with her husband. Mm-hmm. What in her would need to be healed? Take a stab at that. Give people an example of how this might work for them. Well, the first thing that she would do is that she would identify what the judgment is that she's putting on her husband for whatever reason why they aren't getting along. So the idea would be to identify what is that judgment. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, he doesn't give me enough attention, right? Like I'm just throwing out an example. He doesn't give me enough attention. He doesn't show me. He doesn't adore me enough. He doesn't give me enough love and validation. So then the opportunity at that point would be what areas in, in with you are you not giving yourself attention? Is that small self inside of you uh, feeling abandoned, neglected? Are you caring for yourself? Are you adoring and taking care of and loving yourself? Because when we have that, then everybody else around that around us w- wants to share in that sense of, self-loving and self-nurturance and self-confidence that we bring out into the world because a relationship is an addition to us, not a completion of us. Hmm. So what you're saying is whatever it is we think the other person is doing wrong is likely to be the reflection of something we're either thinking or doing, thinking about ourselves or doing to ourselves. Correct, it's, or, 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 a, or a belief that we've bought into ourselves that's inaccurate. Okay, got it. So once you get that insight, what do you do with it? Then you get to make change starting within. 
So you get to take your focus off of who and what you're pointing blame at, so that finger that's being pointed out can go towards the self, and then you can take responsibility for your own life. Here's the gig. Once you start taking care of yourself in the way that you want to be treated and cared for by another, two things are going to happen. Either one, you're not going to be able to tolerate being in a relationship where someone's disrespecting you or devaluing you, and you will simply walk because you have enough self-esteem and self-worth to do so. Or the relationship, will, the reflection will also change. And so the intimacy will then start to open up, and your relationship, what you were wanting the other person to do to fix for you, you fixed it for yourself, and you're allowing that person to be closer to you. Okay, now what if you're married to or in a relationship with a partner who really is abusive? Mm-hmm. You know, they're a yeller, screamer, name caller, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That that is a very serious uh, a very serious thing. It, it's. Uh, it's something that may take more action uh, immediately in order to make sure that you're physically, spiritually, emotionally safe. So uh, a, a lot of that has to do with your own self-value and knowing what you need to do to care for yourself and where your boundaries are. And the best way that I suggest people look at what their boundaries are is to get clear about what they are willing to engage with and what they are not willing to engage with. And once they become clear of both, to make very clear actions to have those boundaries upheld. Okay, that was absolutely clear. Now, we have a few minutes left. If any of our listeners have a question, you can join us by calling 347-989-0776. That's 347-989-0776. Or hit us back on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Brenda Wade, and we will pick those up and answer your questions. So we'll give that a minute, see if anybody has a question. But, Lynn, tell us, what is the most important thing that you were able to transform by coming face-to-face with your mirror? Yes, I think the most empowering thing that I gained from looking at my own mirror was how to love myself. And that was a lot harder than looking at what my problems were. It's easy to look at what my problems were and what was wrong with me. It was harder to step into knowing what really loving myself meant. And that was a journey that took some time but was the prize. Now, how do you draw the line between not loving yourself and loving yourself? What happens when you cross the line into self-love? What's different about you something becomes more soft tender gentle kind compassionate easy i'm i'm less harder on myself i've taken the pressure off i come to a place of accepting my humanness so that i can fail i can fall i can dare i can be brilliant and i can do all of that with humility and an acceptance that i'm like no other person i'm human just like everyone else oh that was beautiful I love <laughs> that. You. you can you know, fall, you can dare, you can be brilliant, and you can be gentle with yourself and have humility. You're like everybody else at the same time. That yeah, is just like, that's yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> okay, we've got it. a question. We've got okay. a question. Let's see what's going on here. Okay, we've got Jim 
my partner Stan and I are separated after 10 years of being together, and I am heartbroken. I don't know where to start. Mm. Yes, the grieving process from this kind of thing is very, very serious. I can understand it very well. The number one thing to do right now is self-care, 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 self-care. I can't stress it enough. Allow yourself to go through the grieving process, but make sure that you're taking care of yourself, meaning physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Go really easy right now. Do whatever you can to nurture your spirit and your soul during this time. And what are some of the things that he could do to nurture his soul, to you nurture know, himself spiritually? Whatever makes him feel close to um, a place that he feels nurtured and cared for. I mean, for me, it could be me- meditating more, taking longer baths, walking in nature, giving myself time to rest more, get more hours of sleep, eating healthier and cleaner, these types of things to take care of my heart and my body and to let myself grieve. This is part of the process of letting go. And it's painful, but it's important. Now, what could our friend be learning right now about himself while he goes through the grieving process? Or is the grief something that has to run its course from where you sit? Well, I'll, I, I could say this. It might not be the direct answer to your question, but I have learned and I have watched with many clients and, and, uh, and people that I've worked with as, long as, as well as in my own personal life that the universe takes out what no longer serves. And when a relationship ends, it means that you are ready to move to a deeper level in yourself. And you are ready to go through a change. And that what the, where, who, and where, what you were in prior was no longer for your highest good. And so it literally removes what is no longer supportive. And it may not feel like that in the grieving process because we long and yearn for the other person. There is a reason why that person's been taken out of our lives, and that is so that we can go deeper into our own discovery and journey in order to upgrade to a new level in ourselves. Yeah, that sounds really appropriate, and please, Jim, take that to heart. Now, the other side of it is, because I spend so much of my time helping couples to get to the point that they discover what the dissonance in the relationship is about. And I've even had people who've been divorced for five years work with me and get back together. So I want to say yes to everything Lynn said, and I want to add that if you do your work and if you were to write your partner a letter after you've gotten some headspace around your part and what you're working on, sometimes that invitation, I'm working on this and I've made these discoveries about me. I'm not in a place where I need to blame you. As long as everything is safe and you know, you've know you got good, healthy boundaries there, sometimes that is the invitation the other person needs to work on themselves. And I've seen couples come out of the fire into a really beautiful, much elevated reconnection. So Mm. there's 
the possibility. I don't know the details. but there Whether the relationship comes back together or not, taking personal responsibility for your part in the relationship is huge because either it can help change the relationship as it stands, but if you don't do that, then the relationships that you have after this will just be a repeat performance. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Lynn. Real quick, we only have a minute or two left. Let's quickly get in this question. This is from Susie. I am a newlywed. Got any advice for us? <laughs> I, w- I will say that sometimes the first year or two years of a marriage is some of the hardest times to adjust together. Do you agree with me? Oh, do I ever. And yeah, the statistics but- would agree with us as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I think there's a lot of fear, and when you sign up for life, so you know, it's oh my God, I've I've signed up for life, and I've lost my old identity. That typically happens. I think the best thing to do at this time is to really stay in the moment, keep coming back to the here and now with your partner, and enjoy this time. Enjoy it by being present. Yeah, being present, and I would say. What most couples do, and all the research is coming in fast and furiously about this, is all the things you did when you were dating, when there was courtship, everything was exciting and new because you were spending time and doing stuff together, keep it up. Yeah, keep Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Have that date night. Here's my formula, one of the things I like to recommend to couples, so I can just tag on to what Lynn just said. Have a date night every single week and take turns so odd weeks you plan even weeks your partner plans so that somebody is getting surprised as research is showing it's keeping the excitement there that keeps relationships on track among other things among other things len you get the last word what would you oh. like to leave us with and before you give the last word let me give everybody your website the website is www.len, that's L-Y-N-N, Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. So it's www.lennewman.com. And Len has so many wonderful tools, resources, and some really great advice, as you've all just heard. So what's your final piece of advice for all of our listeners here at Modern Love Radio? Well, if I could just say really quickly that you can play the game of you for free on my site. It's an online interactive version that I offer everyone to play for free. So you can go and choose cards cool. and get direct feedback and insight into your life. I think I think that I would just say for everybody, really pay attention to how you put the pressure off of yourself and and remember the mantra. So what, who cares, big deal, why not? Just do you. End of story. Great. And I'm going to tag in something you said that really touched me, Len, when you talked about being soft and gentle with yourself. Yeah. Because I thought that was just exquisite. Thank you so much, Lynn Newman, talking about getting unstuck, everybody, the good news about feeling bad. And stay tuned because next week we have Dr. Susan Heitler, who will be talking about are you in love with an emotional terrorist? Ouch. All right. Thank you to our producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning, and to all of you, our modern love listeners, and our very special guest, Lynn Newman. Many blessings and lots of love.